You're listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Hello and welcome to another version of the Sourced Property Podcast. My name is Chris Kirkwood and joining me today, we have the Commercial Director from Source Capital, Derek Pratt. Hi, Dale. How are you? I am good, thanks, Chris. Hi, everyone. Excellent. So today we're going to be talking about what Source Capital do before listing projects onto the platform. So if you're an investor, this is going to be really important for you to see all the amount of due diligence, the amount of care and attention that Source Capital put into choosing the right projects for you to put your money into. If you're a prospective franchisee, then this is the process that Source Capital will walk you through, uh, taking your hand and leading you in the right direction in order to find funding for your deals. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the overall the overall process. And the process, let's be completely transparent, looks a little bit like this. First of all, there's an application. Then we go on to an an initial meeting, bit of a mouthful. Then we've got the due diligence process. We've got an offer in principle. We've got the valuation. We've got an MS initial report. We'll get into that in a bit more detail later. Then we've got the loan offer. We've got legals. And then we've got the principal sign off and the drawdown. Now, Let's take that one step at a time and let's slow it down a little bit. So the first stage that I mentioned was the application. So Dell, tell me about the application and tell me a little bit more detail about that. Wait, I think you're going to like this, Chris, because having just done that wonderful introduction, I'm going to throw this straight back to you, mate, because I think what would be the right thing to do, we actually mentioned, particularly for the franchisees that are listening, but also from the investor's perspective, there's actually a step, you know, quite a significant step in the whole credit assessment process before it even gets to source capital. So because the only people that we actually lend money to are franchisees of the wider you know, source group, then you know, there's, there's actually a massive part played by the, the, the whole support team for the franchisees who basically overview that process. Now, you're probably better positioned to, to say what that actually entails, but I think it would be only right to uh, discuss that because it's, as I say, it's a good filter. Yeah, that's a really good question. So we have a team of support people and the support people assist the franchisees in finding deals, assessing deals and structuring deals. That is their core function. They help them find a way of making money out of a project that potentially the majority of other people wouldn't be able to identify because they don't have the same level of of experience. So to break that down a little bit more, we've got a bespoke CRM system and the franchisee will find the deal, they'll put the deal across to their support person in the CRM system and then there will be a conversation between the support person and the franchisee to find out if there's a way that we can structure that deal to make it work. So that whole process goes on and takes as long as it takes. You know, it can take 24 hours, it could take a few weeks, it could take longer than that depending on the circumstances of that individual property. But at the right time, when the support person and the franchisee are both happy with the way that that deal is structured and all the numbers from that deal, it then goes across to source capital and these guys will then get in touch with you to take it forward. Brilliant, perfect. Uh, Which is sort of exactly where we we then come into the phrase. So that's uh, the support team and all the work that, that, that comes in from franchise. The support team then liaise directly with us in source capital, arrange for a call and then you know, which is uh, say referred to by Chris as the application call or the initial meeting, but that's what it is. This is a, a chance for the borrower, um, the support team member who have already sort of grown quite intimate with that transaction by that stage to, to explain it to us, to help us understand it. So as the lender, let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth from you know the guys that have invested that time into that transaction. 
So that's, we think, a massive, massive first step for us as, as you know, source capital. So we will deal directly with the borrower uh, to talk about that transaction. I say, no one knows that deal better than them. Um, they'll talk it through, we'll discuss you know, how that's gonna be structured. Hopefully there's a way that we can get that client where they want to get to in a way that we know is deliverable by way of a funding solution. Um, and we know that that's gonna work for, for all investors. So we, we address the key issues, you know, is there an exit, borrower's experience, um, you know, basically the, the structure of that transaction. But you know, in general, is there the bones of a deal? And is that something we're, we're confident we can get that borrower where they want to get to? And that's what you look at on paper, right? So the application that is passed across to you using the same CRM system. So that is passed across to you for you to initially analyze on paper. Yeah, and, and you know, as I say, numbers on paper are just numbers on paper. Words on paper are words on paper. What you know, puts real context and brings those to life is to get the words and figures to, to go together and actually get that borrower to ex explain what they're looking to achieve. And at that point, we're talking about the initial meeting slash the application call, aren't yeah. we? Because that's the conversation. Yeah. Now, what needs to happen to get that deal from uh, uh, being on paper to being accept accepted for a call? Because I guess sometimes you could say, well, this deal doesn't quite look right for X, Y, Z. So what happens at that point? Um, where does it go? I Typically, that application call would be the point where we would see if there's a way that, yes, it's a deal we can do, but maybe it needs restructured. Maybe there's a better way of even getting that client where they want to get to that, that hasn't yet been discussed, because we're now beginning to look at this from a funding perspective and you know, just the generic view of the big question, does it work? Uh, can they make money out of it? But yeah, so we'll look it away. As I say, we'll have that, that, that chat, um, and it is, no, it's it's yes, it's it's you know it's it's formal to the point that it's important, but it's very informal to the point of you know it's not an interrogation. This is absolutely a discussion piece to to find a way to move forward. Is so, there no dress code? Is it that informal? It is massively informal. I mean, obviously, it's you know jeans on a Friday, but apart from that, we we will do it without ties. Wow. Okay. All right then. Sounds friendly. Um, Who's on that meeting? So is that just between you and the you and the uh, franchisee? Um, so there will always uh, there will always be me on it, given the fact that ultimately any credit decision that's going to go forward will will have my signature on it at some point. Um, a colleague of mine will also be on there. Alex will be on because he's our he's our underwriter, so it's absolutely right that he understands this deal from the earliest possible opportunity. Um, the franchisee is on it, and the uh, someone from franchise will be on there. Support person will be on that on that call so yeah everyone who knows about the deal and everyone who wants to know about the deal and i understand that the answer to this question is probably going to be you know that each each call is um different depending on the property but what what do you focus on you know what are the key points that you want to extract from that call um so yeah the the key areas yes they're different but they're massively you know there's similarities but the nuances are, are always going to be different because no two deals are the same clearly but you know, what are we interested in? It's uh, it's a bit of repetition, so apologies for that. But the, the main issue is understanding what that borrower is looking to achieve, ultimately. You know, and that might not be as simple as it sounds. Yes, it might be presented that we've got a structure given to us and we've got a pound note, shillings and pence answer as to what profit they think they're going to make. But the reality, you know, the understanding the, the much broader picture of actually what is it they want to do, you know, is there a way we can structure that differently than if we fully understand the transaction? But 
you know, the main key issues, as with any loan, are are we backing the right horse? Does this deal make sense? You know, if it's a refurbishment, if it's a development, are they building the right thing? Are they creating the right thing in the right space? What is their exit plan? Does that make sense? Is that robust? You know, we clearly, from a lender's point of view, need to look at both sides of this, which is, does it, does it work for our lender investors? But massively important, does it work for the borrower? You know, we don't want, and we never would, put the borrower into a situation that we think we're walking them into trouble. So, you know, they're the key issues, clearly. Does it make sense as a loan? You know, where are we? Purpose, amount, repayment, term, security. All of those key issues are always going to come into that conversation. Uh, but there's a danger that just, you know, looking at it in a granular detail would miss the more important thing, which is can we, can we actually make this into a, a, a sort of a rounded transaction that works for all? So I can imagine that there would be tasks and follow-up following the application uh, the application call. So, what what happens to, uh, directly after the application call? Yeah, I mean, it'd be lovely to think that uh, you know a deal comes in, we talk about it, and we all go, "That's absolutely amazing." Let's just crack on, and uh, you know, when's good for you? Tuesday or Thursday? We'll pay you in tens or twenties. But you know, clearly, that's not going to happen. Um, what we want to follow that call is is that that borrower is happy in the, in the direction that we're looking to take. We're happy with the direction we want to take. So. We'll, we'll always follow up that call with um, an email, so, you know, follow up document to, to that borrower just to outline what's been discussed in the call and what we're going to do with regards to the next steps. So from a, you know, from a making it pretty transparent, clear and, and making sure everyone's on the same point on the same page, that's what we will do following the call. Now, as far as what would be detailed in there as, as likely next steps, well, certainly we'd want an application form filling in um, and again that seems a sensible time to be doing that because we all know now what that deal structure is is broadly going to look like so they can put that that detail in the application the other reason that we'd want the application as early as uh, as possible is that application includes which for us is a massively key part of the whole process is uh, the borrower's authorization um, and declaration when it comes to the ability for us to do the bog standard credit checks. So we want that out of the way. Clearly, what we don't want to do is is go through all you know due process, all due diligence, and then find at the end that there's you know horrendously a CCJ that's appeared that no one knew about. So we'll address that early on, get the application form, do the credit searches, and then address the rest of the issues that are going to mean this deal can move forward. Um, so very much depends what the deal is as to what that you know what the next steps involve if it's something really straightforward such as someone is buying a property which they're going to do a very simple refurbishment on and sell a you know a flip a tart and turn call it whatever you want to call it um you know by definition that transaction is probably not going to need the same level of due diligence not going to see the, the same level of external professional input as something that would be a multi-unit new development so um, so we get an overview of the costs, find out who they are looking to use as that builder. But you know, the component parts of the deal are: what are they buying it for? What are the costs? What's the end game? You know, what is the exit? What's the end value? And can we be comfortable that we can get from the start point through to the end point where that GDV, that end value, can be delivered? And if it's going to go to market either for sale or they're going to refinance it, you know nothing changes they've still got to get it from the start they've got to buy it they've got to do the work that they need to do to it and then they need to 
either sell or refi. So yes, we take a you know a sense check on by way of the information in there, and then depending on how complex that transaction is, we will then either sort of undertake further due diligence ourselves or get external professionals to undertake further due diligence. And like you said, the uh, support person for that franchisee will be on that call. So if there is any follow-up to do, the support person is there to help the franchisee do whatever it, whatever is necessary to, to get a project deliverable. Uh, yeah, and you know, at the risk of it sounding cliche, that support person is there to help that franchisee be successful. So that's going to you know, not just involve deals that come to us in source capital. There's lots of other roles that they take, but for deals that come to us in source capital, as we've already said, they're involved in it right from the start, but they will remain involved in that process and remain in the loop as far as all the communication that comes out of source capital. So yes, they will always know what's happening with that franchisee. And you mentioned due diligence. Who, who works on that exactly? Um, well, is this where we pretend this is a massive, massive credit team? There's hundreds of us. Can um, we? Yeah, that'd be great. We can pretend that, but the reality is it's, you know, source capital isn't a massive, massive baseless organization you know the, the names that we mentioned before you know myself and Alex are, are always going to you know at this moment in time are, are going to be the the key contacts when it comes to the credit process and the borrower will be liaising directly with us um you know this isn't this isn't overly engineered to make it impossible or difficult um anything we want will will be asked directly from us it'll be asked in the most transparent way we're not going through brokers we're not going through intermediaries you know, that borrower has a direct relationship with us and we're making the decisions. Um, so there isn't, you know, it's not airy-fairy or it's not going to go through some horrendous mixing machine where the message, you know, can be diluted or changed. It isn't. It's They're dealing directly with us. Areas of due diligence will be, you know, what we're looking to achieve will be decided, you know, among, by us ultimately, but explained directly to the borrower, not just as to what we're going to do, but massively important why we're going to be doing anything. So if there's anything, you know, our view and, uh, and the guys here are sick of me saying it, but, you know, if we're going to say anything and we can't justify the what and the why, you know, sorry, the, the, the why and the where and the how, then we definitely, definitely don't, shouldn't be asking the what. And how do you justify, how do you, how do you make sure that those justifications are thorough, reasonable, fair and objective? Um, well, I suppose at its most simple, the borrower's always got the opportunity to challenge whatever we're talking about. But I would like to think um, that we've got a pretty sane handle on, you know, on what is appropriate for the right kind of deal. Um, yeah, and that doesn't mean we can't have a conversation. You know, we're not dictatorial. Everything we, you know, we don't sit here and, pre and pretend that whatever we preach is is going to be hundred percent accurate, but. I would like to think that we, you know, we know the difference between different kinds of deals and what is appropriate and, and what level of, ultimately, what level of protection do we need? Because if there's something we need, it's, you know, it should be what the borrower needs as well. You know, we're all looking at the same thing. You know, I'm looking to protect investors' money, but as I said before, also making sure the borrower doesn't put themselves into a hole uh, or arm, worse than that, we're complicit in putting that borrower into a hole. Um, but you know, if I'm if it's something of, that I want further information on, then realistically, it should be something that the borrower should want further information on. So once those checks are complete, once you're happy with all the information that you have, you then move over to the offering principle phase. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that offering principle is is almost a formalisation of what we've discussed and what that client is already expecting. Um, I think why why I like it 
is because if I was putting myself in the place of the borrower, then before I was going to put in my hand in my pocket and paying for evaluation or paying for professional fees, you know, I'd like something in writing from that firm that's saying, yes, we're, we're supportive of this deal. Um, so there won't be any surprises in the decision in principle. It will basically be a document that outlines what we've already discussed with the borrower. But at that point, that borrower has something. You know, I, for me, it's a bit of a comfort blanket, if nothing else. You know, they know they've got something from us. It's formally documented. That is the deal we've talked about. That's the structure. These are the key issues we've got to get through next. Nothing will be new. Nothing will be groundbreaking news. But it, it, it just seems a nice point to, to sort of set the record nice and straight and everyone knows where they're going. And does that offering principle come directly from you or is it sourced, uh, source capital as a whole? Um, it will come from, as referred to earlier, it will, uh, it will come from me or Alex because we'll be the people who know that deal inside out at that point. And at that point, you go across to the valuation. Now, this is the first time that the franchisee will have to put their hand in their pocket, like you say, and actually start paying for something, which is why the beginning of this process is is maybe a little longer than you, than most people would expect, because we want to make sure that they're not just throwing money around willy-nilly at 100 different properties that they think are going to work, and they're getting the valuation to see if they do work. We want to be thorough and targeted and focused on the ones that we've already done our due diligence on we know that it's it's looking good we know that the, the likelihood of getting the valuation that we're looking for is going to be higher right absolutely right um you know the whole idea of going to valuation is that we will have issued terms this is a deal we want to do but it's subject to and one of those subject is given the fact that we have bricks and mortar security for every loan will always be evaluation um the only thing i would sort of uh counter to, to, to what you just said is that you know we're talking about this transaction as though it's going through you know th this process in a step by step by step by step order and this is what the perfect deal looks like you know in real life we need to change some of this process you know we might have a borrower who comes to us and says this has to happen within x period of time and you know what they they're almost insistent that we go to valuation before we backfill some of the due diligence We'll do that if that's what it needs needs to happen, but it's very much eyes wide open. Yeah, absolutely. That just happened today, actually, didn't it? It did just happen today. You're absolutely right. So who do we use for the valuation? How do we make sure that that is objective and reasonable and fair? So the way that we uh, instruct valuations is we use uh, an umbrella firm called Method. Now, Method, as so the, the, the whole umbrella thing, that... They're basically an affiliation of many different valuers. Um, so they give us access to the wide range, you know, a very wide range of different valuation firms in different locations with different levels of experience and sector knowledge and uh, expertise. So we will go to uh, Method with details of where the property is, what the property is, how much it's, we're expecting it to be, to be valued at, and they will collect that information and put it out to all the different valuers who are, who are basically affiliated to Method. We then get information back. So effectively, it goes out as a blind tender. And I think that's massively important from a borrower's point of view. So from a lender's, investor's point of view, yes, they're massively, you know, everything we have is independent professional valuations. From a borrower's point of view, we're not dictatorial with regards to you know, we have a very, very short list of borrowers we use, uh, for, sorry, of valuers that we use. Um, so it would go to method, they would go out, blind tender basis, they'd get all the different quotes back from those those valuers that uh, are willing to scrote, um, you know, or able 
to quote at that moment in time. And we then pass that information out to the borrower. The borrower is then free to make further inquiries around any of those different firms that are on there because any of those firms are going to be acceptable to us. So the borrower at that point will see the name of the valuers that are quoted, where they're located, how much they're looking to uh, charge, but also massively importantly, what their proposed turnaround time is and what their service level agreement is. So uh, keep using that phrase, eyes wide open, but it's the borrower's choice at that point which of those values they want us to instruct and they'll know how much it costs and when they expect to have that product back. And as you say, depending on, uh, well, it doesn't depend on what uh, value you're going to use. You're going to get a similar similar level of quality back from them. That is the whole idea of, of having Method is every every valuer that, that, that Method would go out to are aware of what we want involved, how it's got to be structured, what cannot be in there, which is massively important, you know, when it comes to disclaimers. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right, Chris. We will get a set standard and a set quality, irrespective of whichever valuer is appointed. So I know that some some valuers are quite reticent about their valuation being used to show other people, and you have an agreement with them whereby you won't, uh, or one won't. Uh, uh, broadcast display their valuation to other people so can can lenders who are involved in this process can they look at that valuation can they see that valuation have they got full transparency um short answer yes um longer answer that's why it's you know the the, the whole sort of uh, effort and and, and pre-work with method to, to say what our terms of engagement are you know, we need to, We, you know, it's, it's only right that our investors, our lenders get to see the full details. So when we put out a credit report, they see the credit report. When we have a valuation report, they see the valuation report. I mean, you're absolutely right in what you said. The valuation is instructed by the security trustee and it's addressed to the security trustee. And from a legal point of view, you know, can be relied upon by the security trustee. That's massively important for us if ever we have, you know, a doomsday scenario. But, you know, the key output of that is that you know how much visibility can we give on this and it's not just the investors that see that valuation the borrowers see the valuation you know the borrowers see everything we get as well you know they're paying for it they will see it the investors are are making informed decisions on the back of that they should see it so the valuation comes back and it backs up all the numbers that we were predicting uh, and then you go into the next phase which is the ms initial report so what on earth does that stand for? Um, well, the good news is not every deal will go to the, quote, MS initial report. So MS is the monitoring surveyor. So monitoring surveyor read, quantity surveyor read, professional overview. Now, of, you know, in our world, it will be of a development of a certain size. So, And is there a cutoff for that? largely depends on complexity of the transaction but I think you can if you want a rule of thumb if you're coming to you know if you're, you're looking at a transaction that involves quite a lot of structural work there's a very good chance that that will have a monitoring surveyor a requirement for a monitoring surveyor to be appointed by source capital and, the and reason what, what's the what's the point in that well you were just going to answer that question I, I put it in didn't that, I but you, you know it wasn't a long time before you'd said anything in fairness so um so, <laughs> so the, why is the monitoring survey important? Well, it's, it's important for, for us as the lender. 
and therefore from the investor's point of view because the whole you know and, and why i said it, it mostly involves deals with, with structural work and therefore development type work is because we'll use them on, on deals where we're going to be releasing funds on in, on tran on a tranche basis so if we're We'll give it a, you know, an initial element of support to help with the purchase and then we will release the rest of the loan proceeds in tranches in various stages as that deal is progressing from start to finish. The monitoring surveyor's role is massively important because that helps us monitor, as the name suggests, by said qualified surveyor, hence monitoring surveyor, uh, that, that that deal you know how that deal is performing from an independent professional's view with regards to where is it on cost what is the like you know what is the cost to complete how much has been incurred already and how does that compare against the costings the budgets the cash flow forecast that we've all seen previously they will also overview where it is with regards to time now have we got enough time in that deal to get this thing finished and they will also um sort of comment as we're going through the deal with regards to how it's you know does it remain compliant with expected regs and what's it looking for with it looking like with regards to quality so i.e again are the building regs being signed off is the house builder warranty happy with it now that monitoring surveyor is doing that through the processes of the loan but they can't you know unless they have an absolute understanding of what they're monitoring and managing this against you know it's pretty pointless so the initial monitoring survey report is to overview all of that information we just referred to so the costings the cash flows who's been appointed what are the professional appointments you know are the contracts you know legally sound are we are they robust enough for us as a lender um, they will take a you know it's an arm's length view of that loan and if it's thought that that is needed we get them involved at the start and then that same monitoring survey is involved throughout the rest of the loan and then you move on to the loan offer. So this is presumably a more formal uh, offer for the actual terms of the loan. Is this is this the the end point and contract assigned at this point? It's what we would expect that will ultimately lead to the contract or the loan agreement, because there is another document after this. So the loan offer or the offer letter, if you, you know, if we can all think back to whenever it was we started this podcast yesterday. Um, and we, we mentioned the decision in principle. The offer letter is a much more formal version of that decision in principle. So the decision in principle is what we thought the deal was going to look like and where we were all progressing. By this point, we've got the offer letter, so we've got the valuation. We've had further due diligence about the cost, the numbers, you know, the monitoring surveyor input, everything into it. So and therefore could be different from the original decision in principle. It will reflect any of the changes that have gone, that have happened in that loan structure from decision in principle through to where we're now ready to instruct legals. And that is the deal that we think is going to happen. So from when we first started the podcast, we've talked about the application to start off with. And now we're at the point of a loan offer. Now, as always, you know, I've probably only asked you three or four questions, but we've got almost six or seven hours worth of answers here. Um, one of our shortest ones. It is. Well, yeah. Um, but to get through that process in real terms, how how quickly could that happen? Because we've we've given a lot of information as well, and there are lots of different stages and lots of different people that are in, involved in that. You know, we've talked about method. We've talked talked about MS. How long could that take? 
Great question, mate. Because I'll tell you why I'm asking I this question. Because I know asking. I know the next section is legals. And that that's that's the first point where it's completely out of our hands, isn't it? Because the getting the legal sorted is not something that we have any influence or control over whatsoever. Whereas everything up until this point we have an element of control over. And therefore, how long can this take? How long can we get through that process? Yeah, yeah. No, no, you you're right. So You've, you've already sort of teed up the legals, but the wider question that's pretty much asked every single time when we have that first call is, how long is this going to take to get their money? Uh, now, the, you know, the mildly flippant answer to that, but not far off the truth, is it will be you know it will basically be determined by how long it takes to get us through valuation, monitoring, surveyor, and legals. Um, but on the basis that we're still pre-legals at this point, you know, the answer to the question is however long it's taken to get the valuation of the monitoring surveyor, if that is needed. The actual part that, that you know, we're playing as source capital, if you think about it and go through what we've talked about already to date, you know, that call happens as quick as, as that, that call can possibly happen. It's immediately followed up by something, you know, from us to say, this is what we're going to do next. The, you know, the, the it's very much in the in the borrower's hands as to how quickly we get the, the rest of the information we need to, to assess that transaction, so the costings and everything else. If that borrower is ready to go, they can land with us day one. Okay, day one, we like it. We can issue, you know, that that decision in principle. That borrower can go to valuation. We instruct, you know, we, we, we instruct method to to come back with some quotes. That goes out typically within two days out to the borrower. Borrower decides who they want to appoint. They know what the timeline is at that point because again we've already given them that detail as to how quickly they'll be able to get on site and how quickly they'll be able to get a report to us so you know what this this could have been this could have been a week you know this might have been weeks because you know the borrower wasn't in a position to to give us any of that information things have changed they don't want to go to valuation at this point because they still might be negotiating a deal that's subject to planning it might be subject to you know we're still negotiating out on, on how we're going to structure that deal but if you want to know how quickly it can happen yeah i mean you know just think about what we've talked about you could be here in a week and then we get to legals and then we get to legals your friend my friend so oh, where do we start with legals does the franchisee have a choice over who they use um uh, there's a it's a slightly wider answer than you may have said because there'll be, you know, there'll be a solicitor acting for source capital, and there'll be a solicitor acting for the borrower themselves. Mm -hmm. So clearly, who the borrower wishes to use is entirely their choice. You know, we will again. There's, there's an element of common sense here to make sure that whoever they're looking to appoint is appropriate for the type of transaction they're trying to do. But you know, ultimately, they can appoint whichever solicitor they want from. The solicitor acting for source capital, you know, no, absolutely, they cannot, you know, they can't tell us which solicitor we are going to use. You know, we'll always have two or three options that we will give to to the borrower and we will have gone out for blind tenders. Um, so in a sim very, very similar way than we talked about with the valuations, we'll go to the borrower and say, look, these are the quotes we've got. These are the expected turnaround times. Which of these solicitors do you want us to instruct and what securities are you looking to put in place or looking for the solicitor to put in place well every every deal that we have will have a first legal charge over bricks and mortar um you know the, the supporting and security that goes with that um again 
nothing has a straightforward answer, is it? You know, if it's in Scotland, it'll be different than if it is in England and Wales. But let's keep it simple. Let's say it's in England and Wales. Um, you know, we'll have a personal guarantee. The borrower will always give a personal guarantee, which, you know, again, I think is uh, is important to know from the investor's perspective, because it's uh, even if we're not reliant on it from you know, a pound note shillings and pence point of view, and we will never give value to that. All of our security values are based on the bricks and mortar security, and what is that first charge giving us? Um, but it undoubtedly shows commitment. If it's a limited company, we'll have a debenture, and it might be that we have a charge over shares. But and I've already uh, sort of hinted to the answer to the next question that I'm going to pose to you, but I'm almost a little bit excited about asking you this question. How long does that usually take? What, for us to instruct? Uh, no, for the legals. <laughs> the whole process. Well, we can instruct very quickly. Thank you, Chris, for asking. <laughs> and we will instruct very quickly. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to say there's an easy answer, and there isn't. There absolutely isn't. What? There's things we can do, and, and I think what's, what's what's massively important is, you know, you've got to remember that we're not working against the borrower all through all the way through this process. We're working with the borrower all the way through this process. So, you know, there are ways we can shortcut some of the timelines. So, you know, what part of the bricks and mortar security, what kind of the searches take longest? Local authority searches. So, you know, if we know that the borrower is, is trying to rush this deal through, you know, we can have that conversation and point out that might be a good idea to start your local authority searches way ahead of anything else because the costs are you know not massive but the impact it can have from a timeline point of view are huge and significant so um i, don't know, I think i was brilliantly dodging your question here but um I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back before you do you know how long does it take god knows you know, it, until we turn over that, that stone that says security, we don't know what's underneath it. The solicitors don't know what's underneath it. But if the borrower's solicitor has already done a shed load of work on it, it's already done a load of due diligence, our solicitor's role in the whole process is basically to overview the work that's already been done. You know, it's just to make sure that from our point of view, we are going to get good title, we can get good security. There's nothing in that report on title that, that's going to effectively mean we've got a charge over you know, property we don't want to charge over and that's the priority of that right that that security that is being put in place is the priority not only for uh for the uh, the investors but also for the borrower it's it's the most important thing for absolutely everybody right there's no at that point there's no corners to be cut there's no you know there's there's no shortcuts in that if you can't get if you can't get as you you describe it as if you can't get a good title then you can't move forward on the deal no and that's not just from a sort of, you know, it's not just source capitals look out. You know, you're absolutely right. We're not going to sit here and take a view that, uh, you know, it's defective title, but it will be right. No, if it's defective title, it isn't right. You know, and it's we're not going to we're not going to move forward on that basis. We absolutely, you know, all investors work on the basis that this is a secured loan. So if it's not properly secured, we shouldn't be doing it. Now, I would, however, like to say that if we, you know, it's a bit like right at the start of this process, if we have a problem with it, the borrower should have a problem with it. Because, you know, why would they want to progress a purchase on something that ultimately, when they look to sell some point down the line, they can't sell because more people start doing searches and they find out there's problems with it. 
it, it's you know uh, it's just common sense and logical for everyone to ensure that you know what title is good and we can get good security to it so you've got everything in place so far and you get to the last stage which is the the principal sign off so this is the exciting part right this is where they they actually take control of the property it is theirs to follow their plan yeah you know our legals are happy so we've gone through i mean we've just for the uh, the saviour of all listeners, we haven't gone through the full credit process here. But you know, before we've issued and before we've gone to legals, there's been you know uh, the appropriate due process here. But you know, and legals have now been instructed. They've produced the final loan agreement. That's gone out. We've got the borrower signs all their all their documentation in front of their solicitor. Uh, the loan agreement, let's say the legal charges, the guarantees, all of that stuff happens under under due legal process. We then agree a date amongst all parties, like it is if you're buying a house, you know, we agree a date for completion. That's what this is, you know, it's secured loan, is a mortgage. So when you're having a mortgage over your house, it's a very, very similar process. So everyone agrees the date for completion. We obviously make sure that gives us enough time to, uh, you know, do what we need to do internally, get those funds to the right place in time for that completion and all being well. Net result happiness. And then the property is listed on the platform and funds are raised and then the project proceeds. So, you know, at that point, yeah, I mean, what, sorry, Chris, this is going to be a bit sort of, uh, it's, you know, we probably put it on the platform to raise funds if that's the way we're going to raise the funds during exchange of completion. But, you know, the actual point of it's on the platform as a done deal absolutely that is only at the point where title has passed all due process is done loan agreements are signed money's where it needs to be and uh, yeah so investors can be sure that they're invested in a deal that has that security that they're expecting it to have and then to go into the next phase of this which we're not going to talk about today um, but you're looking at controlling the build uh, controlling the process with a monitoring surveyor and making sure that investors get get not only their initial investment back but also the interests that they were expecting back we can talk about on another day in other podcasts yeah yeah let's do that um you know but let's probably finish by saying what is our role our role as as a peer to peer lender is to look after both lenders and borrowers hopefully the process we've just talked about there you know in some detail in fairness um sort of outlines how we do that you know it isn't one or the other it can't just be it works for source capital it can't be it just works for the borrower it can't be it works for the lender it has to work for all of us so i hope that explains what source capital do before listing properties onto the platform i hope you've got a bit more understanding about that maybe a little bit more understanding than you were expecting at the beginning of the podcast but thank you very much for your time really appreciate it thank you dell for explaining that process to us Always a pleasure, mate. You know that. But thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate you spending time with us and we will speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. 